Well, it's uh, Bible Monday. I feel like that should be said like Monday night football. It's Bible Monday! And so that means it's time for us to move on one more chapter uh, in the Gospel of John. What chapter are we on? John chapter 3. So you have your, your delight assignment. It's not a homework assignment. It's a delight assignment. Um, you need to read John chapter 3 if you haven't already. In fact, before your head hits the pillow, or I don't know, maybe you sleep like a bat upside down, but before you cross that line into unconsciousness tonight, uh, you know, before you have this last thought, oh, I haven't read John 3, get out your smartphone or something with paper uh, and read John chapter 3. Uh, that's your, your delight assignment for, for today. There's a verse in John 3 you may have heard of before. I think it's mm, maybe verse 16. Ever heard of John 3, 16? Uh, I, if I were to guess, probably almost everybody in here has John 3, 16 memorized. Now, if you don't, don't, don't be embarrassed. You have a week to memorize John 3, 16. Every Christian has to have John 3, 16. I mean, before you can graduate, when you're walking across the stage, Dr. Wright will ask you to quote John 3.16 before he hands that diploma to you. Now, he, he won't. It would take way too long. And uh, by the way, it's not actually a diploma. Did you know that? Uh, this is to keep you from uh, playing pranks, you know, squirting the president, you know, or, you know, tripping. Uh, anyway, um, it's not a real diploma. They mail that to you uh, actually later on. But anyway, that's not important right now. Uh, John 3.16, do you know it? I bet most of you do. And so I want us all now, if you can... To quote, and I don't care what version you learned it in, and again, don't feel embarrassed. You've got a week to memorize it if you haven't already. Even if, you don't, even if you're not a believer, every educated person in the world knows John 3.16. So, uh, I want you, uh, no pressure, no pressure at all. So, uh, I'd like us now, turn to the person next to you, or maybe not, and I want us all to quote, if you can, John 3.16. One, two, three, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, I think you should be done by now unless you're quoting something else. Okay, so here, here is on a good day uh, John 3.16 and John 17, okay? There it is. Now. I don't feel like that's what the Lord wants me to preach on this morning. So this was, this was possible sermon one. Um, Lord, do you want me to preach on John 3.16? No. Okay. Well, but if I had preached on John 3.16, there would have been a lot of good stuff there, right? Uh, in fact, this verse is kind of like the verse of the Bible, right? This verse captures the, the message of salvation. The whole Bible message is in that verse. And so I'm going to do something dangerous I want to give you 20 seconds to turn to the person next to you or someone nearby and tell me what I should have preached if I'd have preached from John 3.16. Please come back to me uh, in 20 seconds, okay? So I'm going to give you 20 seconds. What, could, what might you have preached uh, from John 3.16 if, if that were the sermon for this morning? Are you ready? On your mark, get set, go. That's 20 seconds. I'm probably not going to be able to hear you. But what, would, what is the truth that the Lord gave you this morning, just in 20 seconds, what, what was the truth that God gave you from, from John 3.16? Salvation. Salvation. Okay. What are we being saved from? Well, there is this kind of thing about to happen when the Lord comes back. We, we don't want to escape that, right? So salvation. 
What's something else? Grace. Grace. Okay. God has, has come to us. We couldn't go to Him. He's come to us. Um, what else? Love. love. Okay. God is love, right? God does nothing that contradicts love. Love is God's overwhelming motivation for everything He does. He had so much love in the Trinity that it spilled over to make us. God loves us. One more thing. Okay, there is no condemnation. He doesn't want us to perish. He wants us uh, to live forever. Okay, that would have been a great, a great sermon. We could go home right now. Uh, but um, actually, I'm supposed to talk for uh, 21 more minutes. Okay, so here is the verse that I believe, the verses that the Lord wanted me to focus on this morning. So John chapter 3, if you haven't read it already, you will read it. John chapter 3 tells about a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a pretty important person. He's like in the Senate. He's an important person. He's on the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees get a, have a bad reputation. You know the song, I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. So, Pharisees, they're not, we don't think highly of Pharisees. But, but back then, Pharisees were very, very, very much respected. First of all, Pharisees had studied. They had studied a lot. They were like college professors, you know. Uh, people, I don't know, you don't look up to college professors, do you? But, but back, back then they did. You know, these, these are people who studied. They know lots of stuff. Not only that, but they thought that they were very spiritual. So kind of like school of theology and ministry professors. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's, that's just a joke. No, they, they, they thought these guys are not only well-educated about Jesus, and well, not about Jesus, but about the law, but they're very well-educated, but they're spiritual as well. These, if anybody's getting into heaven, or if anybody's getting into the kingdom of God, surely these people are. I don't know, there's a verse in Matthew that Jesus says, I don't know if you've read it lately. Jesus says, unless your righteousness is more than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not getting into the kingdom. Now, for us, we think, well, Pharisees are hypocrites. You know, they, they say this, but they don't really do it. And so, that makes sense to us. Well, of course, your righteousness has to be more than, than a, a scribe or a Pharisee. But to them, to the people Jesus was preaching in, that would have been terrifi terrifying. What? I have to be more righteous than a Pharisee? There's no way. I can't possibly be that righteous. That would have been just terrorizing. And so, this guy named Nicodemus comes to Jesus. When does he come to Jesus? at night. Why does he come to it, him at night? Maybe in part it's so that he doesn't get in trouble, but I think he's probably a little embarrassed. I mean, he's an STM professor. Why is he having to have, ask, ask questions about God and go get information about the Bible? Why would he have to do that? I think that Nicodemus is a little bit embarrassed that he doesn't know everything. There's something missing in Nicodemus's life, and he he, he, wants, he wants to, the answers. He wants to know more about God, but he, he's kind of embarrassed that here, he's the guy that's supposed to have arrived, um, and so he kind of does it at night, stealthily. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you in my own pilgrimage with the Lord uh, that there's a certain point where you've been a Christian for so long that, that, and again, maybe it shouldn't be this way, but you can get to the point to where you're a little embarrassed that you don't know some stuff, or maybe you're a little embarrassed that you're maybe not as far along spiritually as maybe people might expect you to be. Now, maybe, maybe you don't feel that way at all. Maybe, maybe you are, you're, you're humble, 
and you, you are completely open, but there might be some of you out there who feel like I would be kind of embarrassed to admit um, that I have a problem with certain things. I could name some, some, some temptations that some of you may struggle with uh, that maybe you're, you know, you're at a particular point in your spiritual journey that you would be embarrassed uh, to tell people that you, you struggle with that particular temptation. Let me tell you that there are plenty uh, of, of people here on the campus who would be more than delighted uh, to, to listen and to help you pray through that uh, temptation. Lots of people. Um, certainly those uh, who are here uh, with Awaken and with the chapel, um, many, many, many of your professors, um, many of us need to come to you, frankly, uh, to pray with you, to work through, uh, you know, temptations and so forth. But I, Nicodemus, in Nicodemus you can see someone who has gotten to a point to where it's a little embarrassing for him to admit that he has things that he's still struggling with, but he goes to Jesus at night. And we can still go to Jesus at night. In fact, we can go to Jesus in the day. We can go to Jesus in the morning. We can go to Jesus in the afternoon. Uh, Jesus is there for us at all times of the day when we have something that we're not quite sure about. Well, Nicodemus says to Jesus, he isn't quite sure what to say. He says, um, yeah, I, I know you're from God. I mean, you're doing these things. You have to be from God. He isn't quite sure what to ask Jesus, but Jesus knows what he needs to ask. And so Jesus, Jesus goes right for the throat. He says, okay, Nicodemus, unless you get born again, you're not going to see the kingdom. I mean, what? I didn't even ask you a question. But Je Jesus' answer is, you need to be born again, or you need to be born from above. Um, this, this word, born again, born from above, it's, it's really nice in Greek because it can mean both. It's kind of like a double entendre. Uh, it both means born again, and, that, and that's kind of the way that Nicodemus takes it, right? He says, what? I can't get back into my mother's womb. You know, that, that doesn't work, Jesus. You know, so he kind of takes it the born again route. Uh, but a little later on in John chapter 3, as you'll read, Jesus says, I've come down, I'm the one who've come down from heaven. No one has come down from heaven uh, but me. And so that idea of being born from above, of being spiritually born. Your problem, Nicodemus, is you've been physically born, you've been born of water, but you haven't been born of the Holy Spirit. You haven't been born of the God stuff. And so you need to be born again. And that's what he says uh, to Nicodemus, answering his question before Nicodemus even answers it. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something about myself. Uh, I don't like horror movies. Anybody like scary movies? I am, I am not a scary movie person. Uh, there are some people in my family who, who like scary movies. I don't quite understand them. Um, they, they say, oh, you're scared? No, I am not scared. I want to make it very clear. I am not scared of scary horror, mo horror movies. They just do nothing for me, okay? I have no interest in them. It's not that I'm scared, okay? Um, there are some of these, some of these scary movies that uh, particularly get into my head uh, they're, the, they're what I would call apocalyptic uh, scary movies. And I think it's because when I was, when I was a boy, um, there was an earlier version of Left Behind that was going around. They had these films, they were on reel-to-reel, -reel, uh, you know, where um, there's this person and the rapture happens and, they're go and everybody's gone. Uh, and and uh, the person who's left behind is all by themselves and there are no Christians around 
And uh, this was terrifying to me as a, as a boy. Why did they show this? You know, to, they should have taken the children you know, out of the sanctuary some other place when they were showing, the, or maybe not. But uh, you know, I went through this period of time where I, I would not get within ten, farther than 10 feet away from you know, my parents in Kmart. There was Kmart back then. You know, and because what if my mother disappears and I'm, I'm left all by myself? Because then I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a boy. I mean, I don't even have a job. How am I going to eat? You know? And so this, was, this is terrifying. That was terrifying for me. And I think apocalyptic kinds of movies now just really get into my head. I mean, I dream them. Um, there's, there's this show that's been on for, for a few years now uh, that um, uh, some people in my family uh, like to watch it. And I really try to get out of the room because I, I will not be able to sleep if I, if I see this. And uh, I'll tell you what it is. It's called The Walking Dead. And uh, when, when, when I, I did watch some, some episodes of this, um, the first episode is this policeman, he's been in a coma in a hospital, and he wakes up and everybody's turned into a zombie. Um, and he's like, what happened? I, I, just, I was in a car accident, and, you know, and now everybody's a zombie. Um, and uh, I tell you, after I first saw that, it, it not only got into my dreams, but it, it was with me when I was awake. I'd be driving around Marion and I'd see somebody walking down the street, and I'd think, zombie, no, that's not real. Um, it, it just really, really got, got into, into my head. I'm, 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 I'm serious. For, for weeks, I went around feeling like Marion was full of, of zombies. But, you know, the thing about this is, now I can handle 2011, or 2012, I guess it is. I can handle those kinds of, of San Andreas. I can handle those, those kinds of movies because things work out. The thing that's so depressing about The Walking Dead is, in the movie world, it's not going to work out. There's no hope in this series. This is, this is a, in fact, um, I found out that the, the title, Walking Dead, isn't actually about the zombies. It's about the people who are still alive, who are the walking dead, because they may be alive today, but it won't be long, uh, they're going to be dead. And every season, they kill off central it's, it's a really depressing series. This is not true. This is not true. There, the world is not without hope. I, to me, this series is a, is a picture of the spirit of our age. It's a picture of the spirit of America. It's a place without hope. It's a place without a future. It's a place where suicide is increasing because people don't see any hope. But the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, which interestingly enough we read some from today, if I remember correctly, he says, we are not like those who don't have hope. If there is no God, we are of men most miserable, but we are people who have a hope. There is hope. In fact, as I was thinking about you must be born from above, you must be born again, the truth is exactly the opposite. The truth is exactly the opposite of the walking dead. All have sinned and are the walking dead. The walking dead is what we all start off as in life. We start off without hope. We start off without God. We start off without the Spirit, but that is not what God wants for us. God wants for us to be born again. God wants us to stop being zombies and come alive in the Holy Spirit to actually become human beings as we were meant to be created in the image of God. And in this is great, great hope. And so what Jesus says to Nicodemus is, you need to be born. In so many words, you're not alive yet. 
This is why you're not in the kingdom of God. You're, you're still dead in your sins. You're, you're the walking dead. You need to be born. Our human pilgrimage through this world is that quest to have the moment where we are truly born and we truly become people. This is the great mystery. This is the great truth that we believe as Christians, that the vast majority of the world is not alive. The vast majority of the, li- of, of, the, of the world are living for themselves. They're living for pleasure. Whatever the latest thing that gives me pleasure is what they live for. Or some of them pursue idols. They have causes. But the causes, and maybe there's a little bit good to the cause, but the cause is just a substitute. It's just a little idol of the true cause, which is God. Then there are even some Christians who live and serve God out of fear, or they serve God like a slave. Now, we are always going to be slaves and servants of the Lord. We are servants of the Lord. But uh, if some of you have gone to College Wesleyan right now, uh, Pastor Steve Deneff is preaching a series of From Slave to Child. God doesn't want us to be merely a servant. He wants us to recognize that we are His children. And so, Jesus is calling Nicodemus to a moment of decision. Jesus is calling Nicodemus to a point to where he believes on Jesus and becomes alive and ceases to be the walking dead and turns into the walking alive. I don't know if you've ever heard, there's an argument for the existence of God called the argument from evil. Have you ever heard this argument? The argument from evil basically says this, that if there is no God, then everything is permissible. If there is no God, there's no reference point to give meaning. The Holocaust, for example, why is the Holocaust so bad? Well, it it hurts some people, true. But if there is no God, that's all we're left with, pleasure and pain. It is God that says this is not only painful, but this is wrong. This is evil. Uh, The the Russian uh, writer Dostoevsky said that if, if there is no God, then everything is permissible. Again, here's another uh, movie that I, I do not watch. If I'm flipping through the channels and I see it's on, I completely continue on, and that's The Purge. I don't know if you've seen any of these, any of these movies, but in, uh, The Purge is this series where there's some day, uh, and each, each movie is a different day, where basically there are no laws and everybody can just do whatever they want. That is a picture of a world without God. If there is no God, then there is no standard. If there is no God, there is no reference point. If there is no God, then that is what the world is really, and it's not a pretty place. I don't know if you've heard of a philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche wrote in the late 1800s, he wrote a really bad novel uh, called Thus Spake Zarathustra. It's not a very good novel. But anyway, in in this novel is where that quote, God is dead, uh, comes from. But uh, a lot of times people say, yeah, yeah, God is dead Um, uh, you know, Nietzsche's dead God, Uh, you know, graffiti somewhere. But anyway, um, when Nietzsche said God is dead, he wasn't gloating. In the novel, basically, there are these people who are partying. God's dead. We can do whatever we want. Let's have fun. Let's live for pleasure. And it's a madman that comes into the marketplace and says, you don't understand. If there is no God, then all right and wrong is out the window. If there is no God, then it's a free-for-all. It's whatever you can get away with if there is no God. And this is the argument uh, from evil. It basically says that if there is no God, there is no reference point to say, that's wrong, you can't do that. There There are a lot of people who fight for causes in the world today who have absolutely no basis for doing it 
because they don't believe in God. And it's God that gives us the point of reference by which we can say this is good and, and this is bad. And so, there were actually some other philosophers in the 1950s who came up with something called existentialism. You might, you might come across it in Humanities 180. The existentialist said, okay, well, okay, everything's meaningless, but that's looking at it glasses half empty. You know, that means we can come up with meaning anywhere we want. You know, I, I, like, uh, uh, I like microphones. I'm the microphone guy. I'm going to center my life around microphones. I'm going to go around collecting piece of, pieces of grass. You know, oh, look, here's a piece of grass I got from, you know, from Africa. You know, so uh, the, the existentialist said, um, there's no meaning. Therefore, I can come up with any meaning I want. But that really doesn't satisfy, does it? That, that, well, I can make up my own meaning. I can make whatever I want. That, again, they acknowledge that if there is no God, there is no reference point for good and evil. There is no basis. And in a sense, Jesus comes to Nicodemus, and he says, Nicodemus, you're not alive. Nicodemus, you have no reference point. Nicodemus, you are still dead in your sins. You are the walking dead. And he says, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. You've had the flesh birth, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Now you need the spirit birth, that which is born of spirit is spirit. So what we need, Jesus says, is we need the spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit in both the original language of the Old and New Testament is connected with the word for breath. It's a picture of like when God in the Garden of Eden breathes into Adam and Adam becomes a living person. When God breathes His Holy Spirit into us, we are born. We are truly born. We are born in the sense that makes, the, uh, makes us what we were meant to be. We have, everybody has the image of God in them, but it's marred. It's not what, it, what it's meant to be. Um, it's, it's not working. Our humanity isn't working the way our humanity is meant to work. Uh, we need to be fully charged. We need to have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if any of you have uh, uh, had a car that's had a computer chip go out. Uh, there's a couple times where I've had, you know, I, uh, in a way I long for the days of my grandfather where you, uh, a person could take a car apart and put it back together. I mean, today everything is so complicated. Most of what you pay, I feel, uh, when you repair a car is the labor for them to find the thing they need to fix because it's all complicated and computerized and everything like that. Well, every, every once in a while, I've had a computer chip go out, and, and all of a sudden, my car will stop to function the way it's supposed to function. So maybe I'll be driving along, and all of a sudden, it'll go 30 miles an hour, and it's like I can't get this thing to go any faster, and then maybe the, the brake system isn't working, and, and, uh, and things will start to, uh, I'll start getting these messages, this not working, you know, this not working, you know, this, and I'll do what I always do, unplug and plug back in. Anybody do that? Whenever anything doesn't work, I just unplug it and plug it back in. So, uh, I pull, you know, pull the car over, turn it off, turn it back on. Yeah, okay, everything's working, you know, you know. So, eventually I have to pay the money to get it fixed. But anyway, um, us without the Holy Spirit is kind of like that. Our human humanity isn't working the way it's supposed to work. Things aren't doing what they're meant to do. We need the Holy Spirit to power us up uh, as new creation, as new life, to be born again so that we can be what humanity is meant to be. This, this is a, now, the book of Acts says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than doing miracles or boldness. It's just basic being living human being. It's being able to do the good you want to do. Um, you, you can't, you know, Romans 7 gives us a picture of the person that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The good I want to do, I don't do. 
bad I don't want to do, I do. That's a picture of the person without the Spirit charging up their humanity to do what our humanity is, is meant to do. We need the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit gives us discernment. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit helps us to know good from evil. The Holy Spirit helps us to know what the right course is and what the wrong course is. And so the, the antidote to being walking dead is receiving the Holy Spirit inside of us. Well, how do we do it? Well, that's the question. Well, that's all, that's all good, but how do we, how do we, how do we become alive? How do we get born again? Well, I kind of fibbed. The sermon is kind of ending up with John 3.16. How do we become alive? Whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You may not know this, but the word believe and the word faith are actually the same basic word uh, in the original language. So to believe is to have faith. Now, we're not talking about just check yes, check no. You know, do you believe in God? Yes. Okay, you're good. No, that's, that's not believing faith. That's not saving faith. Demons have that much faith, by the way, James says. James says the, the demons have that much faith, but they're still pretty scared. There's another verse you may know, Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now we're getting somewhere even, even closer. But of course, confession, confession isn't just saying the words like the guy in Monty Python, yes, yes, ask me your three questions, yes, I'm not afraid. You know, it's, there's something more to the confession of Jesus than just saying the words. Because what are we confessing? We're confessing that He's Lord. What is a Lord? A Lord is a master. A Lord is somebody that you're committing to obey. A Lord is somebody that you're giving your allegiance to. So there's a commitment when we confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, here's how I want to end this morning. I want us all to have a moment to ask ourselves, am I willing to commit to Jesus as my Lord? Because if you are, then He'll give you His Holy Spirit. And if you have your Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, you'll cease to be the walking dead and you'll become the walking born again. And so I want you to, I'm going to give you about 20 seconds again to ask yourself, am I willing to confess Jesus as Lord? And then I'm going to count to three, and everybody, oh, please, please stand if you would. And when I count to three, if you're willing to confess Jesus as Lord, and you mean it, a commitment to Him as your, as your Lord and Savior, I want us all to say after that, Jesus is Lord. So I want to give you about 20 seconds to think, is Jesus my Lord? On the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we go out into the world, may we take you with us. And if we're not alive, we pray for you to give us your Holy Spirit that we may truly become human, to become the humanity that you meant for us to be, that you want us to be, to receive that glory and honor that you created for us to have. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.